On today's show, I'm going to be talking to Manny Cabo, and many of you probably remember him from a very memorable performance on The Voice, singing White Snake's Here I Go Again. From there, he was on Telemundo's La Voz, and most recently, he's got a new single called All Night Again that is dedicated to the frontliners during this corona epidemic and he's got a very positive message to share today so welcome to the show manny how are you kelly thanks for having me my friend so your new single all night again it's about honoring you know groups of people that are there for us the people on the front lines the first responders but you don't create this in a vacuum you know it takes a village to make and put out a single, and it sounds like you had a really strong team behind you. I did, and you know, the union always makes the force, Kelly. It really, really does. And uh, first and foremost, uh, my co-writer, who's worked with me on two other projects besides this, Bonnie Warren, who's probably one of the most giftest um, and tenacious writers that I know, and and she had this song already uh, finished. And she actually reached out to me. She's like, listen, Manny, I just finished writing a song. I've got a little uh, mock-up for you. I want, to, want me to listen to it. And I think you could bring the song to life, you know, with my style of voice. And sure enough, man, I'd listened to it for about a minute. And I was in. I called her back, said, Bonnie, you've got a beautiful song here. Congratulations. Now, it doesn't surprise me because Bonnie and I have worked on two other projects, you know, as I alluded to earlier before, in Hate Has No Home Here, which is, you know, self-evident. It's a song, a powerful song. Uh, which won some awards, and it's about anti-hate. And then the follow-up was, you know, Where Your Words, which was also based on a true story of a young girl, Kalani, who was severely bullied. And it became an anti-bullying anthem, got much acclaim with Patch.com and so many other uh, magazines and write-ups, and we're so proud of it. So, you know, being that Bonnie wrote this third song really doesn't surprise me because she really is. She's, she's very gifted with her words and with the messages that she's trying to convey. And I'm kind of, you know, uh, taken back and honored that she actually asked me to, to sing the song. And so I did, uh, you know, and then the rest was history. But, yeah, like you said, there's so many incredible key players uh, behind the scenes. Clayton Jones, uh, who did the piano on this, he's just an amazing and gifted artist in his own right, you know, so go check him out as well. And then of course, my dear friend, we've worked on multiple projects, including the two that I've just mentioned, David Browning, uh, you know, who's a, a extremely gifted and prolific producer, engineer, who's worked with the likes of Katy Perry, uh, the Winans, NFL, you name it. So it was, it, it was a very robust unit of people that, um, that just had incredible input and, uh, you know, put the project in play. And now you hear it all night again, and it's full, um, full force. And I'm really, really excited and content with the end result. And, and we all were, to be honest with you. And I'm just really grateful that you're allowing me to share this song with you, your listeners, and uh, sharing my journey above all. Well, you know, I had the good fortune of talking to Bonnie Warren the writer of right. All Night Again. And it's funny, she said her idol is Diane Warren. So it's so interesting. They have the <laughs> same figure. last name. And I heard some of Bonnie's other songs, and I think she's right up yeah. there with Diane Warren. And I think yeah. we have to start referring her to as the other Warren. 
I call her Bonster. I call the Big J. You know, I give her so many nicknames, but at the end of the day, she's just someone who uh, I adore and I truly love working with. You know, it's funny. I can't even play around with her. I was at Home Depot the other day calling her up. I was in line, right, fixing. I'm not by no stretch of the imagination am I uh, a carpenter or uh, a gifted individual with tools. So I called her up. I'm like, yeah, the story of my life, you know, it's always, uh, I'm always repairing, you know, and she's like, oh, wow, that's, a, that's an idea for a song. And I'm like, Bonnie, I'm kidding. Sure enough, she comes back around. You know that song idea that you gave me? I'm like, which one? <laughs> you know, that repairing thing. And, and I look in your inbox, and there's an email with lyrics and, you know, a mock-up of music. So it, it's great to have that energy and that passion when you're, when you're dealing with a co-writer. And uh, she's so down-to-earth and easy to work with. So that's why we'll continue to, you know, uh, to push these throngs, you know, these songs through the funnel. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to the next one, which we're working on momentarily. It's just, uh, it really is. It's an honor to work with Bonnie. She's, she's great people. Well, you also are a songwriter, and I always think it's really special when someone who writes their own material trusts another songwriter. I think that's a, a right. big leap sometimes because a lot of singers only perform what they write. Sure. Well, you know, the issue, uh, the lying issue in that it's that so many artists, unfortunately, um, fail to eliminate this one element that is the biggest cause of their demise in terms of their career and relationships, which is ego. We're very sensitive creatures, we artists. And if we learn to put our ego aside, right, uh, for the, the total unity factor and for the benefit of the song, there would be bigger hits written. But unfortunately, it stops there. And Bonnie and I never had that issue. You know, we, we volley back ideas and opinions. And sure, we disagree. And sometimes we even uh, agree to disagree. But we never add each other's throats to the point where there's any type of animosity. And that's what I feel is the strength beneath uh, um, our, our, our accomplishments as songwriters and as a, you know, as a team, essentially. You know, one thing in modern music, we don't have... I think the the celebrity songwriters, the way we used to, you know, like the Burt mm -hmm. Bacharachs and Hal Davids, and they were stars in their own right. And of course, you know, Burt Bacharach sure. did perform, but he was known for writing material for, you know, Dionne Warwick and other people. And it seems oh my like, God, yeah. what is it? It's not just, you know, the me generations, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of talented singer songwriters, but it seemed like, we used to nurture people, you know, Carol King and, you know, people right. really got their start writing for established artists. And it seems like we're kind of missing out on, you know, who's the next generation of celebrity songwriters. Right. Well, there you go. I mean, you, who knows? We might have another, you know, James Taylor or uh, another, um, oh, the name escapes me right now. Um, Oh, God, it's not the tip of my tongue. Bob Dylan, you know, people don't realize how many songs Bob Dylan wrote for the people. So maybe Bonnie could be the next person up there, you know, here in 2020. <laughs> the next underlying uh, super duper writer. Exactly. And maybe, you know, it's good that we're promoting the names of the songwriters because a good song is going to live beyond just one artist. Yeah, 100%. And that's why I felt compelled to, to really... Uh, bring that to surface because, you know, I can't do this by myself and neither do I want to, you know, when you have a team of very accomplished and passionate artists uh, like we do, fortunately, 
then only good things can come, you know. And, and here we are unleashing, uh, unleashing these songs to the world, and the reception has been fantastic. So I think we did something right, and we're going to continue because you know what they say, you know, you can't uh, or you shouldn't try to fix what's not broken, and we are far from broken. We're, we're just one happy, crazy family uh, of passionate songwriters who just essentially love music, you know. Now, this is just a single, but I'm hoping, you know, this will be part of an album or following this, you're you know, going to do a whole album. You know, what are your plans for, you know, the rest of the year? I mean, do you have a full album's worth of material that you're working on? Well, right now, the idea is I've got a, uh, uh, an acoustic album. I'm not sure. I haven't ascertained if it's going to be an EP or a full-length album. And I also have, you know, getting back to my rock roots, uh, another EP with about five or six songs and whether I release them as singles or an entire entity, uh, that's, that's to be judged later. But right now I know Bonnie's, uh, wheels are turning. Uh, we've got two songs that we co-wrote that we're going to, um, again, hopefully bring to fruition sometime soon. And I think an, a third song that she's working on right now. So she is a hustler. And, I, you know, I'm the same way. We're cut from the same cloth, and, and I appreciate, like I said, her tenacity and her ambition to keep writing. Um, and she inspires me. You know, we work off of each other's energy, and that's the key uh, with songwriters. And, again, the key, one of the key elements to, to coming up with an incredible project. And All Night, again, is a, is a clear indication of that unity. So I'm really happy and grateful, once again, that she asked me to sing this song, because it is. It's a beautiful song with a powerful message, and I think it needs to be heard, not just by our frontliners, but by any family members that are conflicted uh, indirectly or directly by it. You know, you put so much work into crafting a song, you know, both writing, performing, producing. Do you feel like sure. with, with Bonnie, like you just feel a breakthrough coming with this song? I do, you know, and I think Bonnie and I, we write because we have a love for writing in itself. We love a good song. We love telling stories. We don't analyze the end result. The only end result that we analyze is finishing a song because, you know, the biggest thing uh, that artists do specifically songwriters that they shouldn't do is you write a song and then you don't finish it. You edit it even before it's done. We like to finish a song, you know, let it marinate. Maybe we can come up with a different line here if it's not sitting with us well. And again, that only happens when you have great communication and you have a good teamwork ethic. And Bonnie and I, I think we have that in leaps and bounds, you know, whether we're writing here over the phone, whether we're on Skype, whether we're in Nashville or she's in Philadelphia, it doesn't really matter. I think uh, there's a formula there. And uh, the integral part of it is, we're very respectful of each other's creative process, you know, and it just, it just works well. And sure, we've got a lot of songs that we're putting out there and we feel extremely confident and, and happy with them. So I would say, yes, there's going to be some good stuff coming your way. Well, here's the way my mind works. You know, you're a songwriter, you've got good songs, Bonnie's a good songwriter, and the two of you together are good you know, co-writers together. So you obviously have a lot of material. So then you right. go on a show like The Voice. You meet right. people like Adam Levine, Blake Shelton. Who else was on your mm -hmm. season? Who are the other two judges? It was Pharrell, Gwen Stefani. And then on the Latin side with La Voz, it was uh, Carlos Vives. 
It was um, uh, we seen. It was oh god, I can't remember the names escape me. But yeah, you know, it, I'm very fortunate to meet these incredible artists. You know, and you learn along the way. That's that's the key. Right. Okay, so you got these you know, music powerhouses. So my right. way of thinking is, you got some songs under your belt, and I know there's a protocol, and and I know you probably mostly see them on camera. But mm-hmm. my thinking would be, you know, hey, once in a lifetime chance, I want to get this potential hit into the hands of Blake Shelton. Is that just <laughs> so far beyond, you know, your very sheltered experience on these shows? Or, you know, do you ever think, hey, yeah, Bonnie's got this song that would be perfect for Blake Shelton, could, you know, be a great country ballad or whatever. I mean, did that ever go through your mind when you were on the shows? Well, yeah, and you know, seriously or or jokingly, you know, when sometimes you have to let go again, that's when ego comes in. Not every song is built for uh, uh, every artist. You know, I can't sing certain songs; they're just not for me. And you have to learn to let go if if you think wholeheartedly that this song would be best represented by a different style of voice, whether it's a female, whether it's a male, then you have to let it go. And that's where Bonnie and I again click with that, and hence. Uh, uh, her reaction toward it in reaching out to me, you know, she felt that, wow, Manny, I think your voice could really bring this song to life. And I hope I did. I felt comfortable singing it. I, uh, I always wrap my head and my voice around really strong and passionate lyrics. And again, when you have a song, when you have a song that just feels right, then you got to go with your gut. And it goes both ways. If you have a song and you're singing and it just doesn't feel right, and that's when I think you have to let it go uh, uh, to someone else. Because I have to feel a song, and, and Bonnie knows that. She'll ask me, so how do you feel about it? I know that you sit with it. What, what do you think? And I'll tell her, well, you know, I like the intro. I like the, I like the chorus. This may be missing something here. Or I'll tell her, this is brilliant, you know, just like all night again. I didn't have anything negative to say at all. And not that it's negative. It's more of a constructive criticism, if you even want, want to call it that. But this song was uh, um, flawless from beginning to end. And, uh, again, I can't stress how humbled I am that she asked me to sing it. Well, I can't remember what season it was. Maybe one of the earlier ones, but when uh, CeeLo Green was on The Voice. Yeah, that was before me. That was uh, CeeLo and I think Christina Aguilera. Of course, okay. those four. Yes, yeah, so, that was before me. So, so one of the CeeLo Green seasons, Team CeeLo, uh, he had uh, one person on his team named Vicky Martinez. And she, right. uh, I think she's really remembered for singing this great version of Jolene, you know, by Dolly Parton. Yes, but of a, course. That's a very modern, show. kind of stripped down, very raw version. Right. And, and people loved right, it. Right. And what I thought was so interesting is after the show, she didn't win, but a lot of people thought she should. But after mm-hmm. uh, that season, she recorded a song with CeeLo. And I thought, wow, mm-hmm. and it was really good, too. And they had a, it was a music video. And I thought, why don't more of the judges on these shows do duets with some of the people on their team? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Unfortunately, like I said, there's nothing real about reality TV. Some artists have the fortunate uh, um, episode of being selected or there's something about their backstory that appealed to them, you know, appealed to their better side. And uh, they feel it would be better for the show itself, you know, whether it's ratings or whether it's presentation, I don't know. Uh, But I did see that in my season as well. You know, if there's a great story, it's like, 
any writer, whether it's for newspaper or for songwriting, if there's a great story behind the words, then you know what? It, it has that much more um, possibility to be selected, uh, to move on further, and in this case, to work with a celebrity or, you know, uh, a union of some sort, you know, in collaboration. So the All Night Again music video, have you filmed yeah. one? Are you planning one? If so, you know, what are your visuals going to be like? Okay, well, the, the video is actually out already, uh, and that's another interesting element behind this entire release. Uh, Bonnie and I, thankfully, because we, we – basically nocturnal creatures. We don't sleep to begin with. Uh, we banged this project out in almost three weeks. Uh, and I did the video myself because, you know, I'm a professional photographer. So I set up three cameras. I had the concept of really breaking it down and making it monochrome because there's an underlying message, you know, there that it, it, the message behind the song itself is just black and white. You know, uh, it's, it's clear. It, it's, it's a message about thanking those that are responsible for keeping us alive and safe. And I made sure that I just snuck myself in the background just to let people know that, yes, I'm singing it, but I, I really saturated the video with some great visuals. There's a culmination of, of, of images that I scattered from the internet that I thought were very, very powerful that lend itself into the explanation of the song. And, and it complemented it very, very well. So yeah, check it out. It's on YouTube. Anyone who wants to see it uh, on my social media handles, I try to place it in my, my bio. So just click it and it'll, it'll take you directly there. And that's something else that I'm really proud of, you know, and um, it just, for some reason, I think that when you have, something good when you have a positive message of some sort everything always works out you know the powers that be just let it come to fruition and sometimes effortlessly and that's what it was with this song from from inception to completion i gotta say it was uh it was a fun sure stressful at times and what really isn't stressful but it was a, a very fun filled project for both bonnie i david and uh, clayton you know well you know what this reminds me of in uh well during 9/11 right after there right. you know several concerts and people coming together and i remember one in particular mm -hmm. probably in new york where mariah carey sang and she sang her song hero i remember that yeah i do clear as day and she was singing it in honor of you know the the fire department and the you know police and first responders you know who came to people's rescue and Right. What was interesting, she had already recorded that before that, but it really had new life and I think new meaning. So I think that sure. shows the power of a song that can work in you know many situations and at different key points for people. Yeah, 100 percent. You know, a song uh, has its destination and it's based on, you know, the interpretation of a totally different voice you know, the extension of someone who's actually performing it, you know, how relevant the song is. So there's so many key elements that go into the longevity of a song. And I think a song like All Night Again or, or Hate Has No Home Here or Where Your Words, they're timeless songs because it's a timeless message. You know, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to say, let's obliterate hate, let's obliterate bullying, let's obliterate, you know, the ignorance in this world. But 
it's never going to happen because, uh, you know, there, there's so many people that just don't see eye to eye with logistics or even common sense. You know, to me, unfortunately, common sense is in common practice. And the only thing that I can do as an artist is try to create messages with my artistry that can at least offset that negativity. Uh, and again, you know, going back to our previous projects with, with where your words and hate has no home here, we're so proud of those. And I just feel that they should have got more recognition. But, you know, people are very easily distracted. And it's crazy, but it's so much harder to get a positive message out than to get something that's so controversial out, you know? I, I feel that, and it's very frustrating for me, and I'm not the only one who has said that. There's plenty of other artists that, that can concede to that assessment, and it is. It's a frustrating element, but, again, I'm going to stand on the ground here and say, eventually, when the timing is right, the messages will get out, and I know these songs will be, um, I don't know, they'll get some second wind somewhere along the line. I don't know when, and I'm not going to worry about it, but we wrote it. It's out there, and eventually it's going to hit home somewhere. And I'm hoping that uh, All Night Again is a clear indication of that. And it seems like it is because the reception was overwhelmingly positive. So I'm really happy about that. Well, in your life, was there a song you remember either from childhood or early adulthood that struck you at just the right time that maybe puts you on a better path in life? Yeah, man, I remember the first time I heard In My Life by the Beatles. It was brilliant, and I didn't know anything at the time. You know, I was just a little punk kid, you know, sucking my thumb, listening to this old Grundig German stereo, and my dad put it on, and I'm like, wow, this is an amazing song. And, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't mature enough to know what the power of lyrics were or the power of music, but I knew I heard, and there was something that I loved about it. And gradually, uh, I became more of, uh, of a fan. You know, I had this affinity for the Beatles, and that, that song in itself um, lends itself to my humanitarian side and why I took this route and why Bonnie and I have such a strong relationship because of our affinity for positive messages. So, yeah, it's not a coincidence. And my life is one of those songs that started it out for me when I was a kid. You know, there are places I remember all my life. You know, um, uh, it, it's just... I don't know. Again, I think that the Beatles were, for me, they were timeless writers, and they will live on uh, to be the most extravagant band ever, in my opinion, of course. And I'm not saying it as a blanket statement, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there, millions, to be honest with you, that agree with that. You know, and it's important, especially during your childhood and adolescent years, that you have that type of um, nurturing uh, uh, parental guidance, especially with music that I was so fortunate to have with my parents, you know, introducing me to all kinds of music because music is an international language. And fortunately for me, I heard powerful messages in both Spanish and in English by single artists, female artists, uh, bands, groups. It, it didn't matter. Folk music, rock, R&B, Motown, you know, I just appreciate strong messages and songs, man. And that's, that's the only thing that I hope to do based on those influences. And, uh, I hope people liked it. That's all I can hope for. Well, you came of age during the era of, you know, We Are the World, you know, the big mega, you know, celebrity <laughs> yeah. singer songs and Hands Across America. Um, yeah. You know, it's, that's been about a generation ago. Do you think since then people have become a little more jaded? I mean, how how do we cut through to them now? Because it was more of a novelty well, back then, but now it seems right. that... 
we've got so much more clutter in the world. How does a song like yours cut through and especially as an, you know, a more individual voice? Well, that's a fantastic question. And, you know, uh, in reading a lot of the reviews, uh, one of the key uh, uh, lines that I read, it's that the world needs, you know, these type of songs where they're not so cluttered, where they're not so overproduced, where you could hear the vocals clear and you could hear a single instrument, whether it's a guitar or a piano, you know, as in the case of All Night Again. And we actually listened to the song because there's a difference between hearing something and listening to something, you know, for me very, very clearly. And in um, nowadays, you know, the attention span isn't really, really there. So it's like you got to hurry up and get to the chorus, you know, you know, the whole adage, you know, uh, don't bore us, get to the chorus. Well, even more so now, or if, if you're not engaging your listeners within the first 10 seconds, you know, pretty much, you know, you're dead in the water. Uh, but a song like this, I think resonates with everyone, uh, even in this time. And I'm just hoping that this song can, can trigger a response in our youth, because I firmly believe that our youth is the key to our future. These are our future rock stars, our future governors, our future educators. And hopefully um, I can be that in my life for our future generation, you know, to, to give them the inspiration to say, you know, I remember hearing that song that uh, Bonnie and Manny wrote. And, and I know the guy was on The Voice, but I don't know. I, I can't remember the song exactly, but I think it was All Night Again. And that changed my life. That opened me up to a full side of me that till this day, this is why I became a doctor. Or this is why I became a fireman. Or this is why I became a researcher or a scientist, whatever the case may be. You know, that, that's what I hope to bring to this world. I want to lead it better than when I got here, essentially. Well, to that new generation you mentioned and beyond, you know, all night again, which hopefully they'll yeah. be listening to and being inspired by. Right. But if you could just sit down with some of these younger people who I think yeah. nowadays they're growing up with a very vicious Internet. And mm-hmm. even now, you know, watching the news, I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, I'm being shouted down. You know, if I'm not right. angry and shouting at the top of my lungs, I'm not being right. heard. You know, if you could talk to that, you know, those people who maybe don't have that strong of a voice yet, but still want Mm -hmm. to lead a meaningful life, you know, what words of advice would you give to them? Well, first of all, I would tell them, listen, don't be educated by what you see on the Internet. You ask the questions. You do the research. Make the decisions on your own. You know, don't don't be influenced by other people. First of all, do what you love. Love yourself. And then take pride in understanding and educating yourself on what's really going on in the world. Because you cannot, you cannot take the news or what's on the Internet seriously. Because there is so much fake news out there, so much image manipulation, story manipulation, that I personally, for one, uh, I don't believe anything I see or read. I really go into depths before I, I make my own you know, uh, hypothesis on anything. And I can tell you this, who's ever listening my lyrics and anything that I engage in, uh, there will always have that sense of integrity that I, I pride myself on because I keep it real with everyone. You know, uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Life is difficult. The only way to succeed is to work hard. You know, the obvious adages out there. Um, so I, I try to educate, you know, our youth, 
or, you know, or anyone that I encounter based upon my life and real experiences in all facets of my life, you know, from being a father to being a, a vocalist, to being a drummer, photographer, a contestant on The Voice, whatever the case may be, anything that I've learned along the way. Uh, because, again, you never fail. It's always going to be a learning experience. But failure is an integral part of success. The problem is too many people want that shortcut, want that easy streak, you know, want that overnight success, you know, um, and the media will do that to you. You know, it will taint you. It will skew your path of righteousness and it will skew your path of work ethic. And you can't do that. And again, I'll stress it. I'm just trying to offset all that negativity, all that ambiguity that, that just proliferates uh, uh, throughout this world by by really evil people, you know, but I, I believe that the good will always outweigh the evil always, you know, and, and here I am, you know, I'm a clear indication of that. So hopefully we'll get more people. And, you know, every person that this song touches, uh, I hope it does the same thing that it did to me the first time I heard it. You know, it, it's a sigh of relief. It's refreshing, you know, as again, some of the bloggers and uh, writers, um, mentioned about the song and it is it's really gratifying for me because i do i want to send a positive message out and i think bonnie hit a home run with another song and uh everything else that we've created and what's coming as well in the spirit of fair and balanced reporting i at least have to give you an opportunity right now to let people know when you're not you know being serious and you know Fighting for a cause, you know, what does mm -hmm. Manny Cabo do for fun? What, what is the fun, let your hair down <laughs> if you had hair, side of Manny <laughs> exactly. Cabo? Uh, you beat me to the punch. Uh, you know what? I, uh, again, I, I like to keep it real like the next person. You know, I enjoy a good drama series on Netflix. You know, I love reading, always loved reading. Uh, and it's, I can't stay away from music. Even in my downtime, I'll, I'll listen to what's uh, any type of new playlist on Spotify, what's fresh. Um, I enjoy having good heartfelt dialogue, whether it's with my family members, my wife, my daughter. Um, and believe it or not, you know, I've learned to embrace solitude, being quiet, you know, stillness. Uh, I'm an avid meditator. And I feel that you have to quiet your mind. You know, scientifically speaking, we have over 60,000 thoughts a day. It's healthy to quiet your mind because everything becomes clearer. You know, your senses become more acutely aware. And it helps me come up with ideas, not only to help myself, but to help other people. So, yeah, I would, I would say those, you, you mix those and you convolute those five, and that's what you get, Manny, in terms of me, what do I do during my leisure time? Oh, and going to the beach. I love the beach. The beach, for some reason, I don't know what it is, just doing nothing and doing it slowly on a beach chair with, with a good book and hearing the waves is my sanctuary. <laughs> and the last big concert you went to with someone we would know. The last big concert that I went to. Oh, wow. That's a great, I've been to so many, my God, I can't, you, that's, you would think that would be an easy answer. Uh, I saw Ted Nugent and I had the luxury of going with my friend Craig who actually played bass for him that night. It was at the, uh, it was in Nashville, not the Grand Ole Opry. There's another venue in Nashville. The name escapes me right now, but yeah, Ted Nugent put on a great show. Wow. Ted Nugent. I'm just, believe it or not, yeah. when people like Ted Nugent are still alive and performing. 
you know, it, it's the crazy ones that uh, that always exceed expectations. Good for him. You know, I hope to be in, and have his energy uh, when I'm his age. My God, Keith Richards, Ted Nugent, the ones that, you know, if you're betting in Vegas on who'd still be performing now, you'd probably have <laughs> lost a lot of money by this point. They're going to outlast us all, believe me. You, you have not a tough guy image, but you have that kind of classic rocker, biker vibe, which is, you know, one of the things people love about you. But why is it that we're always so surprised when someone like that comes out with such, you know, a heartfelt message? I mean, can you be a, a tough biker and also a, a softy when it comes to, you know, the, the humanitarian side? You know, that's funny. That's a great question. Uh, and one, it's actually, it's a very simple answer for me. I think people just associate themselves. Again, it's a clear indication of stereotypes, you know, because we could all have an image. Uh, and yet people are so quick to judge the outward appearance of somebody that they forget the humanistic side of someone. And yeah, I've got tattoos. I paint my nails black. I've been doing this in sweat, sixth, seventh grade when I first <laughs> delved into this music world. Um, but at the same time, I've had customers, I've had clients, I've had fellow musicians tell me, you know, dude, you're like a, a chameleon when it comes to your, your look, you know, because you could adjust to different situations, you know, um, and, and you don't speak the way you look. And I guess some people will take that as an insult. I don't because I get it. And plus, I don't take anything personal. I've been doing this so long to realize that if, if anyone ever really has a problem with me, that's because they have their own insecurities or inner voids within themselves. And that's, that's the message that I try to assist our youth with. Uh, those are the messages that I try to instill in my music as well. And um, the, my co-writer, Bonnie, and I, this is our third message, humanitarian song that we've done. And that's one of the messages that I try to, um, you know, to get out there that don't worry about what people's opinions are. Um, but for me personally, yeah, it, it's pretty wild. We're like, yeah, I never thought that you would sing this type of song looking the way that you do, you know. <laughs> and, and nowadays in this day and age, you know, you have to be careful because that could be seen, you know, uh, as a racist term. But like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm more mature than that. I understand what they mean, but. I guess it's just the way that I am. You know, I, my outward appearance was always a part of me. I never really thought of it as an image. You know, it's just me. You know, I love the rings. I love the jewelry. You know, growing up as a fashion photographer and, and pursuing that as a career, I was always in touch with my feminine side, with the artistic side, with the fashion side. So I think, if anything, it's an asset, you know. Well, don't you think part of the reason people really connected with you when you're on The Voice besides your powerhouse, you know, performances, is the fact people are hungry for those power rock ballads of the 80s. Because back then, you can have a, you know, a tough, tough-looking guy, you know, from White Snake, you know, free to show their tender side, and you could get these most, you know, driven rock bands, but they also came out with some of the most tender, you know, love ballads, of course, you know, power ballads, but still... And I don't think we hear many original power ballads anymore like that. And don't you think it's time to go back to the 80s power rock ballad? I do. I think not just a power rock ballad. I think as a whole, I get a lot of heat for this, but the real musicians out there uh, completely understand and uphold the statement firmly. I think 
the quality of music has definitely died. It's become very simplistic, overproduced, extremely digital. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think that music back in the day was a production. You know, I, I can think back putting albums like Van Halen and ACDC or the Beatles or even a classic Motown, Marvin Gaye, and every song on the album was better than the next. It was, it was a ritual. And I think the nostalgia of music has completely died. People go to concerts nowadays and everyone's sitting on their cell phones where I remember buying a concert ticket. It would sit there for three months collecting dust and I could not wait till that day. And then when we're at the concert, I'd be standing there, you know, uh, the entire time singing singing the songs to the uh rather singing the lyrics to the songs and yeah they were big big rock power songs but the ballads were even that much more involved you know uh guitar solos the 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 harmonies it was just a beautiful period of music and one that i'm so grateful to have been a part of you know i think the 80s showed us the most eclectic side of a successful music industry you know and i wouldn't change it for the world I mean, everything on the radio now is one-sided. It's either reggaeton or it's either trap. And it's like there's no diversity. And if you want that diversity, you really got to search, you know, search independent radios. And I think the world is missing out because those eras of music is what everything stems now. Those are the roots of music, you know. And I think we definitely do need to come back to that, you know. I think another thing people are really charmed about you on The Voice is, remember you did that great duet, and I don't even know what they called it. It was almost like a, you were competing, but also performing Oh, yeah, together. the battle. The, the battle, battle round, yes. And you did that great uh, <laughs> Baba O'Reilly. Yes, that's correct. It was me and my boy Keith, who I love dearly, and um, it, it's one of those things itself to uh, an amazing journey, you know, being able to meet so many talented artists, you know, it's very humbling experience, but very, very grateful uh, to have been a part of it. And Keith and I are still amazing friends. We've, uh, we've done two shows together uh, out in Chicago, two sold out shows. The fans love it. He's been here in New Jersey. I've actually taken pictures for his live concerts uh, for his band, the Siberian. So we've, we've developed and sedimented a very strong relationship. And that's what it's all about, man, because, Kelly, we're all in this together. There is no best artist. That doesn't exist. But there is the best person and the best artist that you can be. And uh, Keith and I firmly uphold that, that adage. Well, you know, before The Voice came out, we had American Idol, which, you know, kind of shocked people with how harsh, you know, Simon was with his criticism Although it was very entertaining, but I think when The Voice came around, they said, hey, let's take away some of that cutthroat and let's coach people and make it a constructive experience. So how important was that to you? And did you really feel like when you were on it, it had a constructive side and they, everyone is really looking out to, you know, to coach you to be better? Well, here's the thing and here's the reality of it. And I think any contestant that's been on the show um, can, can attest to this, that it's TV. At the end of the day, there's nothing real about reality TV. Sure, American Idol and, and, and Simon and his harsh critics. I mean, there's, there's a lot of validity to a lot of the comments that the judges have made, but a lot of the, uh, the what's the quote-unquote the, uh, the ratings factor had to be a part of it. You know, the outlandish comments like you're terrible or you need to pick another career. And that's all good and dandy, but you can't take those comments seriously. 
and you can't take them personally. Whereas the voice, they really did. They, they embraced you as an entity, as, as an artist that had a lot to offer. They didn't question, you know, what you were about, what style of, of music was your preference, you know, what your sexual preference. You know, none of that mattered. They just wanted to see what your voice was like. And hence, the, the way the show was created was with that sense of anonymity where the judges are not facing you, uh, which is a sign to let the audience know we don't care what they look like. We don't care what their personal life is all about. We just care what their voice sounds like. And then when we finally, you know, turn for you, then we find out a little bit about you. It's, now, it's when you auditioned, oh, sure. Yeah. Now, when you auditioned, how many chairs turned around? That's, that's another awesome question. Obviously, four turned around when all was said and done. But throughout the performance, I was so zoned in. Uh, you know, I take all my performances very, very seriously, you know, from, from the inception to completion. And I was so into the, the layout of the stage and engaging with the audience that I had no idea when all was said and done that all four judges had turned because it was so loud in there and evidenced by Blake's comment. You know, I just turned it into uh, an, 80s, an 80s rock concert. Uh, it was a testament of what was going down at those, you know, two minutes or so. So, yeah, I didn't realize it until the end. It was it was a pretty cool feeling, man. So when you're at the end of the song, you finally notice, oh, my goodness, four chairs. How surreal is it to see those four celebrities that close? Does it even seem real to you at that point? Well, you know, between you and me, man, I um, – I've met so many celebrities throughout my life as a fashion photographer running some of the biggest uh, um, photography studios in Manhattan that meeting celebrities wasn't a big deal. I think what was very nostalgic and, and surreal was the fact that I'm singing to 14 million people. They have the, the, the most current icons on the show applauding you, you know, standing on his chair like Adam. Um, and it's just here I am. I didn't even want to go to this audition to say, wow, I just got four chairs and so many artists that run through that show that don't even get a chair turned. So believe me, it's a very humbling experience. And I was beyond grateful to have had that opportunity. You know, it changed my life till this day. You know, people are always curious. What makes you choose a certain judge to work with a certain coach? You got four people. <laughs> And it's not always because, oh, they're my genre of music or, oh, I'm a fan. Right. What was your right. criteria for picking Adam? I think the words that they uttered had to have a, a direct connection with who I am, you know, and, and the way I thought. And I think going in on it, you know, uh, full disclosure, Blake was my, my, my initial choice. You know, I had a little bit of help from my daughter who may have been a little biased at the time with her country pursuits, but <laughs> I mm -hmm. think Adam really spoke to me. Adam really spoke to me and what he said reverberated because I completely empathize with his, his stance on growing up. And back in the day, the music was so uh, oriented to, to high pitched singers and, and singers that could, you know, keep melody lines and, and still rock out on stage. So I kind of identified it wholeheartedly with what he was saying to me. And it was, it was cool. I, it, at that time, it wasn't even a difficult decision. I was like, yeah, I'm feeling what he was saying. Let's just go with Adam. And I get a lot of criticisms um, because everything, let's face reality, you know, everything is 2020 high in sight, of course. 
and you should have picked Blake. You might have gone farther, but I, I'm one of those artists that I don't I don't live in regret. You know, we are where we're supposed to be. Things happen the way that they were supposed to be. Sure, we have control over our situations, but we have to act on our impulses and our gut feelings when those situations arise. And I did just that, and I'm very content with the end results. And it opened up the door for so many other uh, incredible opportunities that, again, I'm, I'm beyond grateful for. So no regrets here, man. It was a great mm-hmm. time, and um, I'd go back to it and do the same thing all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, when you spent one-on-one time with Adam, you know, what was just the best advice he ever gave you and just, you know, the best memory of just a one-on-one session and, you know, musician to musician? Well, you know, Adam is definitely, uh, his talents are are beyond reproach, of course. You know, he was there playing drums, behind the scenes, guitar, playing piano. And I don't really remember a specific thing that he said, but what I do remember him telling uh, me is, listen, bro, we can't fix you. You already have what it takes. The only thing you could do is just keep mastering your skills and just continue to be true to yourself and your own art, and you'll be fine. And, and that's a very solid and accurate piece of advice that till this day I implement in all of my artistic pursuits, and uh, I try to funnel that to every artist and person that I meet. Mm-hmm. You know, We've had, what, almost two decades of reality TV music competition shows. Right. And, you know, they're, they're an institution now. But in these almost two decades, a lot of people have been on these shows. I mean, hundreds, right. if not thousands. Probably oh, tens yeah, of thousands. Who knows? Who can keep count? But well, think so about it. Not, not, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interject. I just got oh. a little delay on here. I don't want to step on your words. <laughs> Oh, no, I was just going to say with so many people out there, you know, it creates opportunity, but at the same time, it's such a fast cycle. You know, you're on, there's the hype. Oh, and then the next season starts. What happens to the people from last season? You know, and then a season after that, how do you maintain the momentum you first got on the show? Well, therein lies a secret to the success of any artist. You know, those journeys, if they do happen across your path, you, sure, you take full advantage of it. You do the best that you can on them. But you're only as good as your last show, man. I remember that movie, uh, Oh God, with Burt Reynolds. Uh, what was it? Not Burt Reynolds. It was, uh, I can't remember his name right now. But one of the best quotes, you know, um, and the piece of advice that he gave to all artists is just stay booked. You got to stay booked. You have to stay busy. And a lot of artists want to be famous, but they just don't want to do the work. Doing social media work, that's a job in itself, maintaining your online presence. You know, make sure that your marketing, that your branding is up to par. Half the time, it has nothing to do with your talent. Nobody cares about your talent. You can have an average song, and if you have a very robust marketing plan, you'll succeed. And on the other end of the spectrum, your song could be fabulous, but it's like the tree that falls in the woods that nobody hears. If you don't market it properly, if you don't engage with your fans, if you don't have your visuals intact, if you're not consistent with all your social media platforms, if you're not doing lives uh, constantly, then you're not going to go anywhere. That's the harsh reality of it. And you have to have thick skin. If you're in this industry for the fame and the fortune, I'm going to tell you right now, you better pick another uh, hobby because it's not going to happen that way. You have to do it because you have a passion for it. And uh, one of the uh, uh, important quotes that I've learned throughout my life was, was when I was working at Apple. 
and, and Steve Jobs told us in a keynote, he's like, you have to do something that you are beyond passionate about. And it makes perfect sense, but the reasoning behind it makes more sense because if you don't engage in something that you are wholeheartedly invested in, then you will always have the tendency to quit when things get tough. And in this industry, man, Kelly, you know as well as I do as a, as a uh, radio personality, it's not easy, man. And you can't let the nose bend you out of shape because that'll end your career overnight. You have to do this because you have a love for it. Because at the end of the day, what happens, happens. But if nothing happens, whether you're performing to uh, 60,000 people or the bartender, and I've done both, it's still the same elation that you feel when you grab that microphone. That's the only piece of advice that I can give you, man. Mm -hmm. Well, from a marketing standpoint, you know, what is the Manny Cabo brand? What's your genre? You know, what's the Manny Cabo elevator pitch? (laughs) <laughs> my, my pitch has always been, listen, keep your blinds on and do what's in your heart. You know, sing about what you want. Essentially, it's just be yourself, man. Just like I told you that, alluding to what Adam said to me. And, you know, prior to our, that heartfelt dialogue I had with him, I've always uh, firmly believed that you just have to pick what's inside your heart and say, you know what, this is what's comfortable to me. This is who I am. This is what defines me and become an extension of your own passions. That's it. And and Manny Cabo is the brand that inspires others. And I get complete gratification for that, whether it's in my lyrics, whether it's in my speaking engagements, my Mojo for Musicians podcast, whatever that the case may be. It's a brand about empowering other artists to pursue their dreams because there's nothing I hate uh, more than seeing incredible talents just give up They don't have the necessary skills or the knowledge or the education uh, or even um, people that are compassionate with those artists to understand their situations. And I've had it all, man. I've had some ups. I've had some downs, more downs than ups, but I'm still here kicking it hardcore and, you know, still beating out 18, 19 year olds for, for shows and spots because I love what I do. They keep getting younger out there, don't they? They do. I don't know if it's in the water or not, man. I just, I don't know, but (laughs) I just try to do my, I do my best to maintain, man. You know, we're all different. We all have a uniqueness to us and we all have an incredible gift to offer the world. Uh, It's just finding that gift, you know, and many of us give up way too soon before we even come up with an option. You know, the pop world is so youth oriented, but there's a lot of people out there that want to hear, Mature voices, they want to hear people that have the same frame of reference. Like, yeah, we remember the 80s. We remember the 90s. When you're out and about, are you getting a lot of feedback saying, yeah, we like seeing more of ourselves on stage. You know, we're not, you know, teenagers anymore. We want to hear someone like, you know, Manny Cabo, you know, singing, singing for us and our generation. Yeah, well, you know, fortunately for me, my uh, my background when I was growing up, I was exposed to a very eclectic and diverse musical background. You know, my I had my uh, my steady flow of the Beatles, Dave Clark Five. Uh, my, you know, I'm Hispanic, so my dad introduced me to uh, tango, which is uh, very reminiscent of Uruguayan and Argentinian culture. My mother introduced me to Spanish folk music, salsa. Uh, you know, I grew up listening to Motown, so I essentially grew up listening to everything and that has been a good producer as well because 
I, I hear things differently than, than the, the commonplace radio, quote unquote, what's on playing right now, you know? Um, so I think that that has assisted me significantly. And when I do my performances, whether it's live on Facebook or whether I'm getting commissioned for a residency, I play everything, man. I play my rock. And sure, everyone's like, man, you got to do here, I go again. And everyone knows me from my rock side, but I'll sit here and do Despacito. Uh, I'll, I'll do some, uh, some R&B. I'll do some pop culture. I'll do some you know, uh, classic rock um, Motown, whatever the case may be, you know, I, I'll just, I just enjoy good music to me. You know, music doesn't have a label. If I like it, it's good. That's it. You know, I don't care what background it is from hip hop to country, man. It's all good to me. You know, after you're on the voice, you get your hopes up, you have this, you know, once in a lifetime experience, and then you go home, you go back to normal and then knocking on the door a year or two later, La Vos. <laughs> what right. was it like after going through, you know, that emotional roller coaster of the voice? Did you hesitate and say, gosh, can I really go through, you know, the music reality TV thing again? You know, we all have those initial, like, you know, hiccups, like, oh, here we go again. Do it yet? Yeah, like you said, do I really want to entertain this this tendency or this this temptation? But at the same time, this was a totally different world because it gave me an opportunity to embrace my Latin roots, my Latin culture. And uh, it's another way of showing the world that, hey, you're never too old to do anything uh, and to be proud of who you are. And again, you know, I, I emphasize on, on the fact of being proud with my background because people got to see the side of me that they never thought was possible. Here I am, you know, a uh, packed house and doing white snake, and then I jumped from that into one of the most powerful, heartfelt Latin ballads in the world. Um, so it was very surreal uh, on that on its own, you know, and, and to, to catch people's faces like, wait, what? This is the guy that was on The Voice as a rocker. Now he's coming up here doing all types of Latin music. We had no idea that he even spoke Spanish. So I really enjoyed the ride. I think I enjoyed, full disclosure, I enjoyed this ride more than I did The Voice. Uh, mm -hmm. Because first of all, I've been through it already. So I knew what to expect. And second of all, it gave me another opportunity to meet uh, in incredible musicians from different parts of the world, you know, from the Latin uh, culture, from South America, Europe, you name it. Um, and more importantly, it, it gave me the chance to say to the world, listen, Music is music. Music is universal language, and it doesn't matter what language we sing it on. And it was, it was like I was hanging out with my aunts and, and, and sisters and cousins on the show. It was hilarious, you know. We're, we're a very romantic culture, and everyone's, like, kissing themselves on the cheek. How are you? Big hugs, you know. So it, you never at one – I could honestly say, Kelly, there wasn't one moment where I felt like it was a competition. You know, we were all lifting each other up. We had moments where there's so many people sick on the show that we'd all bring each other lozenges and cough medicine. We were always there for one another. Not that we weren't on The Voice, but it was different with respect to uh, how we handled the situations like a family. Like we were all one unit supporting one another. I remember each person would go up there individually to, to, to perform or, or during the battle or whatever. And we were rooting for them as if we were on there on stage, you know? So it was really beautiful to see that, that compassion and that, that unity between the, uh, all the, the contestants. Now, where do they shoot La Voice, La Voice at? 
in Miami. Oh, it's in Miami. Very okay. hot, man. Yeah, Miami's nice. cool, man. It, it's just it's just a little too hot for me, man. I'm not a summer guy. You're talking to a guy who was born in the middle of a blizzard. So the summer and me really don't get along. <laughs> but fortunately, we're always inside in the studios. But, yeah, it's a, it's I know, a beautiful, so you, beautiful You were born in New Jersey. That's like Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen territory. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, you know. Well, they're they're retiring soon, so uh, you know somebody's got to step up and keep the rock going, you know. <laughs> well, I think it's so interesting that you can so easily go between you know those two shows, you know, wear many hats. But one of the obvious things is, you know, Latin music is so popular, you know, around the mm-hmm. world and in many parts of the U.S. It's you know such a dominant force. Has this encouraged you to want to record in Spanish? Yeah, and I have actually. I've uh, I've helped co-write a couple of incredible artists on their music, and it, it's definitely opened up the doors for me. And uh, performing at a lot of Spanish facilities, where it's great because they love their steady dose of rock as well. So I'll sit here and do a, a folk ballad or a salsa song, uh, and I make it my own. At the end of the day, the key is taking a song that's very popular and just embracing it, and 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 just making it your own. Um, and being on that show gave me the opportunity to do just that for the Latin community. Yeah, it's definitely opened up some doors. Well, sure. And it seems like you'd be a natural to like, you know, open, you know, for Los Lobos on a tour or Santana <laughs> well, or you know what I mean? Sure. Well, if they come with calling, I'm, uh, I'm down. Let's just leave it at that. I mean, Carlos Santana, he's always pulling in solo artists on his albums. You'd seem like a shoe-in. Yeah, you would think that, right? Well, you know, I'll, I'll sit here. Maybe put in a good word for me. I'd love to talk to uh, Carlos, man. Santana's uh, one of those classics. They are just definitely one of my earlier influences, and uh, it would be an honor to share the stage with that icon. Are you kidding me? Well, one thing I always like to ask people is, you know, in your dream world, and usually if you put it out here, you up your chances of it turning into sure. a reality. Who of sure. you know, contemporary people out there would you like to collaborate with? Wow. Well, you know what? The one person I would have loved, and unfortunately left us way too soon, was John Lennon because he was my idol. But uh, obviously the second one in line, it would have to be Paul McCartney. I'm just a big Beatles buff. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to maybe do a duet with Adele. Um yeah, there's so many artists out there. You know, Mark Anthony, um, he's got that upbeat commercial side, loves salsa and, and love the pop music that he does as well. So I don't think there's one, per, you know, uh, artist per se, but if I did have to choose, it would definitely be Sir Paul. I, I'd love to at least have the opportunity to say, yeah, I co-wrote or I performed with one of the Beatles, man. That's it. I, I, I would leave music at that point and I'd be completely okay with it. <laughs> Well, how does this sound? Because I was reading up, and I know you're a baseball fan. Yes. And you played some baseball. I so, did, man. I got dressed. <laughs> have you ever sang the national anthem at a baseball game? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I sang it for the Staten Island Yankees, for WW, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the, uh, oh, God, it, it lapses me here right now. Um, down in Tennessee, uh, I sang it for the, uh, I want to say WWE. 
Well, there's so many WWs out there, WWF, you know, it doesn't matter. But, yeah, I've sang it a few times, man, and it's, it's definitely always an honor. Well, speaking of National Anthem, we just had Fourth of July this weekend. And, of course, probably the first one anyone's experienced, you know, with a pandemic, especially this yeah. generation. You know, how did you celebrate the Fourth, and how are you navigating you know, about not being able to perform in public and just not being able to meet people face-to-face. You know, how did you spend right. this weekend? Well, ever since, the, uh, you know, the whole situation with COVID, you know, was brought to bear, I've just been utilizing my time wisely, you know, um, mastering all my crafts. I've learned four brand-new pieces of software. I'm teaching other artists how to do successful, you know, live performances on Facebook using software, you know, uh, learn another editing, you know, video editing software. I've written two albums worth of material, build my podcast, uh, working on almost 10 YouTube episodes. So needless to say, I just keep busy because this will soon end. I don't know when, but I, I just want to be prepared when the time comes. And uh, that's the only thing I can counsel, especially artists. If you don't come up with a side hustle or another means of income or building on your craft and shame on you because this is definitely the time to do it. Um, but I like my holidays quiet. You know, yeah, my holidays all my life have been insane because first of all, I've always, always performing, whether it's new year's, 4th of July, Christmas, I'm always commissioned to perform at parties or events, corporate events, you name it. So it, it's given me the opportunity to spend some quality time with the family. You know, my daughter just graduated and you know how difficult it's been for 2020 graduates um, so I'm a little bit more uh, compassionate to her side, and we had a little gathering for her as well. So, you know, you make do, and like I said before, you try to be a chameleon with the times, and, you know, we have to pretty much master that skill in itself. But, um, yeah, I would probably say now I'm just enjoying them uh, quietly, you know, just just as much as I can, because I know when this is over, it's going to be crazy again. <laughs> How soon do you think you'll be able to schedule gigs and more, per, you know, live performances? Well, we still do that now. I think obviously you have to uphold the CDC protocol, but uh, we're doing performances in front of, you know, 40, 50 people, six feet apart, you know, the whole deal. I'm, I'm still doing it, just not as frequent, of course. And I'll take any gig that I can get right now uh, just to you know, keep my voice intact and for financial reasons first and foremost, but um, they come in, yeah, from time to time they come in because, you know, let's, let's be realistic. People are still fearful of going to these events, you know, and, and you have to be really cautious. This is no joke. This, this disease, uh, this pandemic, it, it's sexless, it's raceless, it's, you know, uh, it's, it doesn't matter where you come from, essentially, and you don't know how it, it's going to affect you. I don't know how it's going to affect me, you know. So I so much of music and even Hollywood, you know, they've had to change their release dates for so many things. I mean, your timing, you know, for your single. How are you promoting all night again? Or did you have like any big, you know, um, debut concerts or anything you've had to reschedule? How are you coping with the release of the song through the pandemic? Yeah, we are. I think it was an opportune time, and I think it needed to be released. And the story behind that release, my God, it was done. Uh, From inception to completion, it took a total of almost three weeks, which is unheard of. But it it was one of those things where I felt there was a sense of urgency to get the message out, especially now with with the uh, the surge of new cases growing in, in, in the U.S., you know. 
and yeah, everyone's getting affected by this. Um, you know, albums and, and concerts and tickets aren't being refunded. So there's a huge fiasco of what COVID has left behind in its trace. But I, I, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things right now where I'm just going to uh, repeat what I said. You have to learn to adjust and make the best out of a situation. And I know that seems really difficult to do, but we have no choice right now. We could sit here and bellyache how terrible things are, or we could say, listen, yeah, we've all been hit hard, and it's a daunting task to try to recover from it. But this is what we do. We have to keep doing what we do, which is make music and be prepared for when this is all over. And, you know, the gigs are out there, but you got to hustle. you got to try to find them, you know. Like for me, there are parties out there. There are birthday parties. There are graduation parties. Um, you just have to learn to adjust to the times. And, you know, all night again, we've been fortunate enough to get some killer reviews, uh, a lot of um, TV exposure, uh, news stations, Channel 12, Nashville, the whole nine. And we're still waiting on a lot of them that are still pending because they're so backed up with um, – they're, they're scheduling, you know, so there, there's always hope, especially when you have something positive to give out to the world. You know, the world will listen, the world will reciprocate, and karma is a beautiful thing, and I've always believed in it, and it has treated me very well over the years. So whether it's COVID or not, um, you know, I, my career will definitely keep on going, A, because I wanted to, and B, because I do it to help other people as well. Well, I've got to couple more questions for you but before we wrap up i just want to make sure people know where they can find and buy your single you know learn more about you online so where are the best sure. places they should go to uh the you know the most obvious would be my website everything and anything that has to do with me manny cabo the artist photographer can be found on there which is mannycabo.com i kept it really really simple and all my social media handles are the same the manny cabo uh, once again, that's the Manny Cabo on all social media platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all nine yards. My clothing line uh, has been doing very well. My Lift to Inspire clothing line it can be found on the page if you go on the store. And, uh, yeah, purchase gear. I have a breast cancer awareness line. I have my uh, Mojo for Musician line, my, my personal brand line, which is, you know, my Manny Cabo, of course. And uh, my Live to Inspire, which you could wear when you're working out on stage. It's, it's some cool swag, so definitely take a look at it. And my music is right there when you, uh, when you first log on. I'd love it if everyone would subscribe to it, listen to the video, watch the video, share it, um, and especially if there's any healthcare frontline or essential workers out there listening to the podcast, you know, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You know, we owe you everything for keeping us safe and alive. Very good. And, and merch is very important to an artist now. So they can't, they may not be able to see you in concert this week, but they can buy some merch. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, especially I still do my live performances on Facebook. You know, we have our tip jars, of course. Uh, it's not mandatory, but tips are always welcome. This is how we sustain our career. Mm -hmm. And follow me on my social media handles to know when I'll be doing my next performances, whether it's live uh, on location or um, on the Internet. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that is a nice way since a lot of musicians aren't getting income from performing live. And it seems like, you know, a tip, buy some merch. That's just a really nice way, I think, for fans to be able to help sustain their favorite artists in general, you and all musicians out there. Just, a, I think, a nice way for fans to say, we're with you during this period and 
will be with you after this period when you can go back to performing full-time. Absolutely. And I, and I know financially it's been difficult for all of us out there, but like I say, every little bit counts, you know, every little bit counts. You don't have to come on my show and tip me 50, 120, whatever, but <laughs> you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for anything, anything. And again, it's not even mandatory. As long as you're sitting back, kick back, you know, grab a drink, glass of wine, whatever it is, and just, uh, you know, enjoy the show with me. Well, I want to wrap up and ask you about your photography. You mentioned, you know, if you go to your website, you can get introduced to that. And I'm just always curious when people have more than one artistic discipline. And, you know, you're a very accomplished professional photographer, especially with people, portraits, and you have corporate clients. It seems like you also photograph people in the performing arts. So I'm just curious, um, how has just exposure to that whole world helped you in the business of being a musician? Well, it undoubtedly helped me bridge the gap, especially with musicians. I've been shooting for close to 17 years now. You know, I've been shooting for major magazines, record labels, signed artists, unsigned artists. And uh, being involved in that world, especially when you're a, a a vocalist and a musician yourself, it just helps you understand the demands of the industry. And that's what I meant by bridging the gap, because I already know what record labels and what those types of entities are looking for on a brand level for artists. Um, Plus I'm easy to get along with and I take my job very, very seriously. I have a passion for, for creating images and there's nothing better or more gratifying for me than, than assisting an artist on their, you know, journeys as well and being a part of their success and, you know, my photographs have been on billboards in Times Square, sold out arenas on the jumbotrons. It, it's just an amazing feeling when, you know, they're as happy uh, about their images as you are, you know, and knowing that you had a part and you, you contributed to that overall success is extremely humbling, man. So, yeah, I, I love it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, having a visual sense, photography, film, you know, we're very music video oriented and just very visually oriented. Do you use that to really think about your visuals for your music when you're creating music? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I'm always inspired. There's so many sources out there that I, that I revert to and I'm constantly doing my research. You know, I'm the type of guy that'll walk into a Seven Eleven, forget what the hell I'm supposed to buy to eat just because I saw another magazine, you know, the, the latest W or Amica or Rolling Stone magazine. I start flipping through and I get lost in that world of imagery. And, you know, I, it's always imperative that you keep up to date with the latest trends because it's only going to make you a better artist on all levels. I don't care if you're a painter or a fashion designer, photographer, musician. Uh, It's always good to see what the competition is doing. And I think that's what I bring to the table with my artists. You know, I keep it current. If you want, I can go dated. I can go 70s, 50s, 60s. It doesn't matter. We can go futuristic at the end of the day. For me, it's just creating uh, another uh, killer end product, which is a fabulous image, a timeless image, if you will. So moving into the second half of 2020, hopefully with things opening up, hopefully with, you know, vaccines coming out, people staying healthy, what would you like to do to round out the year? Well, uh, I've got two major projects I'm trying to finish. I've got two separate albums, and I decided to do them this year. It's been almost five years since the release of my last EP, which is Stratospheric. And unfortunately, I never had a chance to tour that album. 
And there's so many uh, supporters and fans that have been on my, my butt telling me, listen, bro, you got to create some new music. It's been too long. You know, and, and like John Lennon said, you know, life happens when you're too busy making other plans. And I've been involved with so many other things, the humanitarian side of writing singles about messages and speaking in schools and starting my, my YouTube channel and podcast. So I've been busy, but it's time to get back to, to what people know me for. And that's, the, you know, creating those killer rock images that, uh, that have pretty much laid out the groundwork for my career. All right, final question. And I know on your sure. YouTube channel, you've given, I think, advice on auditioning for The Voice. So my question yeah. to you would be, for those tens of thousands of people who have been on The Voice, X Factor, American Idol, all that stuff, or even Dancing with the Stars, you know, you've been sure. on a talent show, been seen around the world by millions of people, maybe... You know, you're you're not a household name yet, but what would you tell those people to do with this platform they were they were given there? Whether it's for their art or a humanitarian cause, how can we sure. use that valuable thing, which is the attention, you know, of a lot of people? How can they use that for either personal enrichment or the good of the world? Well, I think first and foremost, those type of platforms, they offer the marketing experience of a lifetime because it's been proven that on my, myself, each contestant on that show, and mind you, I had to beat out close to 45,000 other contestants. This is every season. But what they spend on each individual contestant is over a million dollars. Now, unless you are a super, super famous icon right now, you're never going to get that marketing attention, you know? So... If you have the luxury of getting that far, take the job seriously, master your craft while on the show, just don't take yourself too seriously. You know, forget about the negative comments, uh, forget about competing against everybody, just live in the moment and try to sponge as much knowledge as you possibly can, because if you don't, you're going to miss the entire journey. You're going to miss the, that, that, that level of expansion, that level of knowledge, that level of, of success um, that you've had up until that point, if you start worrying about the things that really don't matter, you know, just be yourself and embrace every single moment on those shows. Oh my God. I, I think you need to create a Udemy course on how to be <laughs> on the voice. Well, I, there's a video I have on, on YouTube. I think you've seen it, you know, how to audition which I think it lays the groundwork to a successful audition. And one of the things that I say on there, you know, the very last thing I felt I, I saved the best for last is you got to have fun. You can't go in there thinking it's a competition because you're going to self-sabotage. You've got to go in there and be like, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to have a blast, you know. Uh, take it seriously, of course. You know, you want to make sure you go over your songs and you want to pick songs that you can dominate inside, outside, upside down, the best represent your voice and best utilize your vocal skills. But you don't want to go in there thinking, oh, my God, I got to win. Believe it or not, here, here's another little full disclosure. When seconds before, when I got up on to do Here I Go Again, do you realize the most important thing that I was worried about? Not the fact that I was about to perform in front of 14 million people worldwide. Not the fact that I was going to forget lyrics. Uh, not the fact that, you know, I was about to perform in front of four icons in a sold out house, but I was afraid of tripping. 
because it was so quiet and so dark that you could hear a pin <laughs> drop. That That's what I was afraid of, just tripping, <laughs> you know? So that's what I mean by don't take yourself so seriously, man. Just have fun. If you have fun, you have a higher tendency of being more successful than you sit there worrying and worrying and get yourself sick for nonsense because these experiences are supposed to be fun. That's Therein lies the secret of many people's demise and success because it works both ways. Wise words. Okay, I have to throw in one more. How come you sure. haven't gone into the studio and recorded a powerhouse version of Here I Go Again? <laughs> well, it's out there already. You know, I did it for The Voice, and uh, what better exposure than that? You know, that's going to be on there, I, I guess, forever. Um, the only thing I can do is maybe do a power version on an acoustic level. That could be an option. But believe me, 2020 is going to yield an incredible rock album that should be out by the end of the year. And I'm really looking forward to that. You're going you're gonna to hear many that, you know, people have been uh, wanting to hear for a very long time. Well, I'm going to look out for that. I'm going to encourage everyone else to look out for that. And I really appreciate you and just sharing the secrets of the voice and just the secret of, I think, what motivates you. And just to tell everyone, you know, listen to the new single, really feel the message behind what you're doing. And I'm just really grateful that you're doing what you do, Manny. Thank you so much, Kelly. Listen, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, I'm just trying to leave this world better than when I got here and just trying to, to offset the negativity because it, it's a really difficult time for all of us. But music always finds its way to someone's heart, especially when there's a heartfelt message in there. You know, I'm just it's my way of saying thank you to, to people that really deserve it. You know, I don't want to let them know that we forgot about them because this world gets easily distracted with the news and what's going on. And, you know, there's there's a huge, a huge climb and a huge success of awareness going on. But. You know, you can't forget those that, that keep you alive above all and, and keep our necessities afloat. So that's, that's my way of saying thank you to our frontliners and, and our essential workers out there. It, it means the world to me. His name is Manny Cabo, the single All Night Again. Thanks very much, Manny. And like I said, I'm going to be the first one out there to check when your album comes out. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kelly. Listen, thanks for having me on here. It's a pleasure. And thanks for uh, allowing me to share my journeys with your with your listeners, brother. 